0: and welcome to the talk show talk show podcast and i'm your host george grimwood it's been a while since the last episode for a number of reasons but on the plus side this also means there's a lot to be discussed to name but a few developments in the talk show world over the last few months on december the 18th 2014 the final episode of the colbert report aired on comedy central now while it may be fairly disputed that the colbert report is not technically a talk show it was confirmed last year that the man behind the character of the show of the same name, Stephen Colbert, would be replacing David Letterman as the host of Late Show on CBS, scheduled to premiere on September the 8th, 2015, following Letterman's final show as host on May the 20th. In place of the Colbert Report, Comedy Central debuted The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore, a host who, like Colbert, had previously served as a contributor on The Daily Show. Meanwhile, The Daily Show also on Comedy Central and like the Colbert Report not technically a talk show but does certainly dominate the role as essential late night viewing is also seeing significant developments John Stewart stepping down as host of the Daily Show later in the year having been in the seat since 1999 when he took over from Craig Kilburn John Stewart will be replaced by South African comedian Trevor Noah Meanwhile, back on CBS the day after the final Colbert Report aired the final show of the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson followed suit In the months that followed numerous other comedians and celebrities took over momentarily as guest hosts, including a brilliantly offbeat show with Adam Pally, but ultimately it had already been confirmed that British comedy actor James Corden was taking over as host in the long run, and after some delays began hosting the Late Late Show on March the 9th 2015 with resident comedy bang-bang musician and sidekick Reggie Watts as bandleader. We have nothing to lose, Let him expressed doubt in the, in his words, tubby James Corden, but despite this attitude, He apparently invited Jay Leno as a guest to appear on one of his, if not his final late show, presumably to end the very public and somewhat outdated Letterman-Leno feud that has been reported in the media ever since Carson left The Tonight Show in 1992 and the rivalry between Letterman and Leno, and by extension Leno's agent Helen Kushnick, evolved from there. Although Leno ultimately turned down the offer, he has been making numerous appearances on talk shows, including an interview on the first night of Corden's Late Late Show, in which, as Anna Silman of Salon noted... Leno has appeared to embrace the negative perception of his persona following the Tonight Show power move back in 2010, ousting Conan O'Brien, and has now made something of a habit of making light of the situation, which, as Silman notes, has only made matters worse. One of the decisions apparently made by Leno was to keep Carson's ruling of never having Joan Rivers on The Tonight Show again, a rule thankfully broken by Jimmy Fallon on his opening show. But sadly, Joan Rivers passed away on September 4th, 2014. In a forthcoming episode of the Talk Show Talk Show podcast, we will be paying tribute to Joan Rivers by taking a look at her tremendous tour de force appearance as a guest on the Bob Monkhouse show in 1985. Joining me today is Gary Roger, host of the Sitcom Club podcast, and while brushing off the cobwebs, we'll be having a general chat about what's been happening in the world of the talk show, as well as indulging in some standard deviation along the way. The one thing I will add, however, was that this episode was recorded prior to Letterman's departure, hence our speculative nature. In regards to a number of the topics we go through, don't panic. There will be a number of in depth episodes, including a Letterman tribute and a late night, maybe a late show analysis, in the near future. Today, however, Gary and I attempt to bridge the substantial gap between this and the previous episode of the Talk Show Talk Show. So, Gary, it's been a while. It has. And there's been several developments in the world of the talk show, talk show in our absence, and uh, I've listed a few at the top of the show just then, uh, in the pre-recorded bit. But are there any particular aspects that stood out for you in terms of changes in the, the world of the talk show?
1: Well, I did have a little peek at a couple of the James Corden shows in the last few days. I am a little bit surprised, to be honest, that they're not airing in the UK. I would have thought that they would have been ideal for something like itv2 for example
0: i agree in terms of craig ferguson as well he should have had coverage on british television and the late late show generally is the kind of format that really would work well somewhere even if it was just tucked away as it used to be in some respects late on itv or five or something or even one of the millions of Sky channels. I mean, there really is no excuse, to be honest, not to have all of these talk shows somewhere on the British channels. But am I right in saying that prior to the shows actually airing, James Corden's Late Late Show, were you a bit of a sceptic?
1: I was, yes. Because I've never really watched James Corden's League of Their Own on Sky, so I've never really seen him hosting the panel show, but I did see him host a World Cup-themed talk show back in 2010 for ITV, and it wasn't great, to be honest. But from what I've seen of the American shows, he does appear to have found a nice little niche. He's somebody who is either very gregarious and outgoing, or is bloody good at faking being gregarious and outgoing. And as a result, he manages to get some high-profile guests and make them feel at ease. And the aping of the Graham Norton format with them all set together at the same time, that seems to work well for him. And yeah, by and large, I guess he's, he's he's doing better than I expected. He's doing better than, I suppose, a lot of people expected because he was seen as really an unknown quantity. But, you know, well, time will tell. But I, I suspect that he'll probably... I don't know that he's necessarily going to make any huge great waves. I think he'll probably just keep bobbing along and he'll do just fine in that slot. I mean, you can tell me better, George. Is, is that slot one which presumably is going to have less intensive scrutiny than Colbert? Certainly.
0: I would say, for example, when Craig Ferguson paved the way in terms of irreverency and what he could get away with and generally for most of the time bad mouthing the network and just introducing surreal and strange characters and moments and and skits and bits and yeah, bobbing along, but developing a cult following in the process. And I think that's partially to do with the fact that it's a safe slot. It's one that's after Letterman after Late Show. It'll be interesting to see how exposed that slot will be when Colbert takes over at the Late Show. Because if that doesn't go down in the way that one would hope, then, because I, I know that you're definitely a sceptic on that front, then I'll be intrigued to see, will that pave the way for the Late Late Show slot to be more exposed in terms of what they're doing? And I suspect that, as you say, bobbing along, Corden will most certainly develop the cult following in the same way that Craig Ferguson did. And I'll be intrigued to see if he can maintain it, really, because, I mean, Craig Ferguson was doing it for almost 10 years, I believe. And, yeah, I'm going to be very intrigued to see if he can maintain that. But I would also say, I found it very interesting the other day. I spoke to someone who was a fan of James Corden from his days in the British sitcom Gavin and Stacey. And he was concerned that based on the clips that he'd seen of the James Gordon-hosted Late Late Show, that he had kind of lost his persona that this particular person had been, I would say, enamoured by, but certainly charmed by. And his appearances on British television is certainly different in contrast. And I I guess it it kind of relates back a bit to that episode of Louis with Louis C.K., where he's being honed to become a potential replacement to Letterman.
1: And it's I mean that's that's
0: an episode that's something we need to talk about in a in a future episode for sure. Just that whole Louis three-parter. It's reminiscent of that where you get the impression that James Corden has been kind of tightened and honed and the button on the suit and the that kind of thing. It's it's just everything's tight and processed.
1: Yes. And he is obviously making an effort to engage with his audience. The last thing that he wants is to come across as if he is Some Brit, who nobody's ever heard of, coming along to the States and saying, well, here I am, the big cheese and so on. He was talking a great deal the other night about the NCAA basketball tournament. Now, I'm going to hazard a guess, George, that you're not really massively into NCAA basketball.
0: I'd probably watch it if it was on in a bar where they had it on and I wasn't with anyone. And had no choice, really, other than to watch it or drink heavily. But no, not really.
1: Little details like that where he's making the effort to embrace the American culture. And from what I saw of the show he doesn't appear to be making too much of the fact that he is an outsider, so to speak. I mean, that's obviously something that he refers to and probably he always will refer to. He'll make little gags about cultural differences between the UK and the US and so on. But I don't think that he wants it to come across as if he is simply an interested observer from another country. He wants to absolutely be at the forefront of things. He wants to be in the centre of everything that's going on and so on. And I suspect he's probably going to do relatively well. I mean, as far as it being... An entertaining show to watch. It really depends on what you're interested in. I mean, I've got to admit that I didn't have the first clue about who any of the guests were, because they were all members of the popular culture scene of 2015, and that just isn't my area. So I don't know, I can't say for sure that he's necessarily going to have a succession of interesting guests, but then he's not a journalist, he's not Michael Parkinson, so he just wants popular people to be on that sofa and to try and get the best out of and make them feel at ease. And as far as i that's concerned, he seems to be doing the job pretty well.
0: And perhaps even like Craig Ferguson, who naturalised to becoming full American three years into his tenure, as host of The Late Late Show, that maybe if Corden follows suit in terms of popularity, he may very well do the same. I mean, if you're hosting a show in America where you're essentially going to be embracing American culture 24-7, then why not eventually become an American in in that respect? And Craig Ferguson lives out there, of course, and so it's not entirely impossible. I mean, it could very well happen. Craig Ferguson now is hosting the Celebrity Name Game,
1: Yes, from what I've seen of that, I've not seen a great deal of it, but it looks, in terms of its appearance, it looks very similar to Win, Lose, or Draw.
0: Well, I mean, to be fair, I, I think um, the conversation about that particular show is one we should reserve for our forthcoming game show podcast, <laughs> which actually, genuinely, I, I, I would like to do. But I don't know how that would work, mind you. Then again, we've made this work just Well after... we, did,
1: we did once play it On the Buses, the board game on the sitcom club. With mixed results.
0: That's true. And and to be fair, I did want to do a board game podcast, but actually there's a far superior one. Uh, <laughs> above, bearing in mind, I still prefer my name, The Bordello, which, copyright, by the way. That is a good name. If anyone's listening. That's, of course, Bordello, B-O-A-R-D-E-L-L-O. But yeah, Rich Summer from the series Mad Men is a board game enthusiast, and so is, is doing a, a show on the Wolfpop podcast network called cardboard I think I think it's just called card cardboard with an exclamation mark I assume I don't know I will be intrigued to see how things work out with James Corden but then again he had Jay Leno on his first show and bearing in mind I've held back a little bit on my exposure to James Corden's late late show primarily because we will be looking at particular episodes in depth further down the line but from what I can gather Jay Leno embraced his persona of he's, he's sort of taking the mickey out of himself but it's kind of awkward now because it's t- also it's too soon as well it in fact he shouldn't he should just not refer to it at all but the fact that he's making jokes about taking other people's shows off of them and things like that it, it just yeah it, I, there was a salon article which i'll post up if anyone's interested on my twitter feed in which yeah, it's more or less pretty much established that it doesn't really work. And I will be intrigued to see what happens when Leno and Letterman encounter one another on Letterman's... Well, they haven't said which show, but I suspect it'll be the final show, or one of the final shows. And, I mean, that's something else that we also will be covering in a in an episode, in fact quite soon, where we'll be looking at when Conan was ousted from his short-lived Tonight Show tenure.
1: Can I just throw one thing into the mix with regard to that? Conan. I'm not sure if you're aware, but it looks like the curse of the US talk shows appearing on British TV has struck again. Because Conan's talk show, of course, was probably the most high profile show on True TV when it launched a little while back. And it was going out at 11pm in the evening. its I'm not sure when this happened, but I noticed that it's been moved back to 1am now. Oh. Having been replaced at 11pm each night by psychic detectives. Now, this just seems to happen again and again. It seems to be that every once in a while, a channel will sign up one of the late-night talk shows and make a big deal about it and say, look, new UK home for this. I mean, it happened with Letterman all the time. It was on Sky 1, then it was on ITV 2 and so on. And then, after a little while, it starts getting moved further and further into the early hours of the morning and then eventually just disappears. But the only show that's ever stuck rigidly to its time slot, I suspect partly due to the ownership, of the channel itself, is Tonight Show on CNBC Europe. Which is edited down, is that right? Or do they put it out and... In- it is. It's edited to fit a half an hour slot each night.
0: Hmm. Yeah. That's the thing. I, I found myself not watching those edited versions hugely because I just feel it... I mean, it's like what we were saying off, off air about knowing me, knowing you. For some reason, on Netflix, that is edited, which may, as you say, be to do with syndicated episodes. Being put on there instead of the original cuts, and it does it does take the edge off. It doesn't. It it's not an appealing thing. It's it's like it's like getting out of a library book and finding that the last chapter's gone. Oh, and there's bits of chapters missing throughout as well, just page for page. And it's yeah. I mean, obviously, it's. I'm not saying that they should be showing completely uncut. You know, we should be seeing what happens throughout the break and things like that. Although I wouldn't mind seeing that personally but... Red button extra. I don't think you'd be breaking any Ofcom rules if you pressed the red button and have the option of seeing what was going on whilst the ads were playing in a smaller box.
1: I don't see any reason why not. The only problem would be if the small box covers up some of that important text that they always put on the adverts saying terms and conditions apply. True.
0: I think they'd have to be quite careful about it generally as well because it sort of cut away and go, oh, and then it could just be them slagging off the show and go, oh, this, is, this isn't going well. Or, or worse. So yeah, maybe that might, that might be a bit of an issue. In terms of Leno, though, I found looking at Tonight's Show, Carson era, or Fallon era, or even O'Brien era, there are some genuinely fantastic moments, standout pieces, hilarious interviews, great musical segments, all sorts of things that stand out in those eras. When it comes to jay leno tonight show era i do have a genuine struggle in taking anything from it retrospectively bearing in mind of course that i went to a recording in 2013 of the second edition as it were of the tonight show jay leno era and yeah i mean there was a lot to pick apart but i'm sad to say mostly wasn't particularly positive but then again of course don't get me wrong i caught it at the tail end of of the era I think the only and correct me if I'm wrong as well, but for me, the only interesting aspect of the Jay Leno Tonight Show era is Helen Kushnick and the almost the folklore that's gone along with those early years.
1: Now here's the thing about Jay Leno. Jay Leno always strikes me as, to use that awful expression, a meat and potatoes guy. In other words, he's somebody who is gonna be a safe pair of hands, he's inoffensive And because of that, he's going to appeal to a large section of the audience. And he's not necessarily going to be as innovative as Letterman, and he's not necessarily going to be as edgy as, say, Craig Ferguson, for example. But you know what you're getting with Leno, and he's got a core audience, he's inoffensive, he's not going to suddenly introduce any serious topics into the conversation, and... Yeah, I mean, what else can you say? I mean, he's not necessarily somebody that you're looking towards as far as being a particular innovator, but he's just that. He was giving NBC exactly what they wanted for that slot. And if he's delivering the goods and he's delivering the audience and delivering the demographic, why would they want to change?
0: I suppose it ties in with the element of Letterman not getting The Tonight Show. And it was generally considered, I believe, shortly after the announcement that Leno was getting it, that. In a way, Letterman was the lucky one. It was more beneficial because after that it was more of a, it was sort of a poisoned chalice. Mm-hmm. And especially in terms of all the nastiness in relation to Carson's retirement and the rumours of certain agents, or a certain agent, I should say, putting the pressure on Carson via information leaked to the press and so forth. So I suppose it was beneficial more so for Letterman, who, as we
1: know, is of course retiring. So, what are your thoughts then about Colbert coming in? How do you think it's going to go?
0: Well, we we discussed this, I think, on the very first episode, way back when. <laughs> and I'm optimistic. I don't think anyone really has any idea what it's going to be like, and so I think it's too early to to say. And as we've discussed previously, because he isn't doing it as a character, it's going to be a whole new world, really. And I think it's beneficial that people respect him that he's got a big fan base and yes it can be argued that his fan base is predominantly looking towards him as a character but i'm pretty sure they're savvy enough to appreciate that there is a man behind the character who might be slightly different but obviously must have enough talent to make something like the colbert report work on a regular basis on a daily basis yeah so in terms of improvisation and moments and just yeah just just really having the personality to create a whole new personality so i'm optimistic i sincerely believe that stephen colbert as the host of late show
1: looks promising i'm interested to see how it's going to play out as far as his persona is concerned because i know you're saying about how he's not going to be the stephen colbert bill o'reilly knockoff or prestige, rather, that he was on the Colbert Report. Obviously, we're getting to a very interesting time as far as politics in America is concerned, because we've just had Hillary Clinton announce her candidacy for the presidency, and there are a handful of Republicans who've announced, and a lot of people are arming and eyeing about it. is Jeb Bush going to announce. And I think it's fair to say that he's a divisive figure, somewhat partisan figure. So, I don't know, I, I'm not really, I'm really, really intrigued to see how this is going to play out. I know for sure that the right-wing blogs and so on are going to give him hell there's no doubt about that they are going to hope that he fails and i don't want to see that kind of pressure group sort of activity work but i think he's going to sort of make a an early impression he comes out in that first night he's going to make it clear that okay if you've seen me doing my stuff on comedy central this is me now this is the real me and i'm a sort of all-round inclusive entertainer and everybody's welcome and so on and so on because I think if there's any kind of hint that he's carrying over the character from Comedy Central then this doesn't feel like a particularly good time to go into the new era of the show with a potentially divisive host.
0: Yes and probably almost certainly a wise move to move away from the character as election time approaches. Because, as you say, it could create a divisive scenario where you find that you've got people who can very easily derail Stephen Colbert as himself, as opposed to a character. And I think in terms of what he's going to bring to the table as himself, he's already got the interviewing chops. Albeit, of course, I wouldn't say niche, but certainly more a more directed type of guest that he had on the Colbert Report. Predominantly politically charged, but... He also had variations of actors and activists and musicians. Did he have musicians? Or did I just make that up? Not that I remember, but quite possibly so, yeah. Well, he wanted Daft Punk. I know that much. And I don't think that interview would have gone down amazingly well because they keep the helmets on. Is it one man or two men? I don't know. Helmets. There's lots of helmet action. He sure wasn't Stig. Well, he's probably looking for work now. Well, they all are. But since you mentioned the Stig, what do you reckon the chances are that a rival will give Clarkson a show of his own.
1: I know a lot of people have suggested that Clarkson, and I think it's probably fair to say that May and Hammond are going to go wherever Clarkson goes, because I think that they are perceived as a team, and I don't think that they would necessarily want to hang around with a new presenter on Top Gear. don't really think that would work out too well, either for them or even for the new presenter. I think they probably want to have a clean slate. So, some people have argued that the three of them could go off to Channel 4 or ITV or whatever it may be and just basically do the show right there and have it exactly the same, except it's not called Top Gear. You even just call it the three of them because that's actually what they've done as far as the live show is concerned. They've changed the name of them from Top Gear to Clarkson, Hammond and May Live. So that much is not unthinkable. I think where the difficulty comes is that they have had a lot of creative freedom being on the BBC. If, for example, Jeremy Clarkson wants to take a hatchet to the latest Honda vehicle, for example, and he's on Channel 4, let's say, that's going to cause conflict straight away because Honda sponsors Channel 4 documentaries. And it's not necessarily something where it's going to be like an overt thing. It's not going to be like the head of Channel 4 publicly ticks off Clarkson and says, no, you can't do that. It's all going to be sort of behind the scenes quiet conversations between the sponsor and the broadcaster and so i do wonder if they would have as much freedom on commercial television or traditional commercial television at least to do what they've been doing on the bbc and that's why i think perhaps something like netflix would be a better fit for them certainly
0: i would be very interested to see netflix get involved in the talk show game because who's to say they couldn't upload a new show every day in terms of the shows they have been doing that for, for example, Better Call Saul, new episode uploaded every Tuesday on the UK, Netflix and and everything else. That, yeah, I mean, it could be a very interesting time. Of course, they would need their own studio, which wouldn't be entirely impossible. And I'm 100% certain that they could benefit by having a studio space somewhere in central to the UK, either in London or somewhere up north. But, yeah, I, I think that would be a very interesting Turn of events. I mean, they've been funding comedy sets, stand up specials, which have predominantly been of a high quality. And so, yeah, I don't see any reason why Netflix couldn't get involved in the world of the talk show. Yeah, I'll be intrigued to see in regards to what happens with that situation in terms of Jeremy Clarkson and co. Not that I'm a huge fan of him or indeed Top Gear, although I I did enjoy the episodes where they would go abroad on their adventures not the ones where it's just blatant xenophobia or anything like that but yeah i enjoyed the vietnam one and the other ones i vaguely remember
1: back to actual talk shows that do currently exist okay let me ask you this do you think that there would be a market and i'm talking principally here in the u.s i don't really think there'd be a big market for it in the uk but, of course, there are ways to get around it. Do you think that there'd be a market for either Netflix or Amazon Instant Video or some video-on-demand service like that saying, look, everybody, we've got The Tonight Show Archive? The, the whole, the, everything that exists from the Carson era, look, there it is.
0: I think that'd be fantastic. I think for Netflix or Amazon to release shows that have that much quantity, I'd love to see an expurgerated Saturday Night Live and dark shadows and mary hartman mary hartman and firmwood tonight and all in the family now of course i know that some of those that i've mentioned there actually are available on dvd but just to see that amount of quantity appear would be lovely and i'd be very intrigued to see if anyone would like to confirm via twitter at talk show podcast that they know of a show that may be the longest in terms of quantity that is available on something such as Netflix or Amazon then let us know because i i do like i love a binge anyway but i mean in terms of the tonight show archives i would i would personally embrace that on a huge level i noticed that the youtube channel that releases the occasional complete tonight show ads and all that we sourced one of our episodes from the talk show talk show from or should i say three episodes from the talk show talk show and the johnny carson from 1973 they have gone a bit quiet as of late, which is a shame, and I sincerely hope that they start releasing a few more shows, but I would love that. I would think that'd be fantastic.
1: Well, I've got a wild suggestion for that, because you probably noticed that you see quite often in relation to Kindle titles and so on, you see the expression X-Ray, so it's basically saying that there's extra material available. when You put the mouse or the pointer over like a particular name and you get like a little capsule biography of them and so on. And... Last year I was fortunate enough to see a little demonstration from BBC R and D which was showing off effectively the same sort of thing. It was like it was like subtitles on the screen except that it was for additional information. So for example, you could watch an episode of Doctor Who and if you wanted, if you put the captions on, then each person, each character is captioned on screen and if you want to you can press it. And you can get like little capsule biography of that character, for example. Now, would that not be something that could work really well with something like the Carson Archive? In other words, when you're searching for a particular actor's name, say you're using something like TiVo, for example, and you're searching for a particular actor's name, you get all that person's films. But you also get a link to them being interviewed on The Tonight Show, for example. I think that would be a really, really good little companion piece to a lot of the searchable... Data that's now being integrated within electronic program guides.
0: Certainly. I know that the TCM channel, uh, if not over here, then in America, made use of a few talk show segments that we usually put just before or just after a certain film and then the talk show segment that was directly associated with that. So, I don't know, Marlon Brando is in a film and then they cut to a clip of Marlon Brando being interviewed by Dick Cavett or. Johnny Carson or someone and talking about that particular film and yeah I mean to see that in action would be would be excellent and I mean I'd still stand by my
1: reasoning that there should be a talk show channel okay now I'm going to put you on the spot now and I'm effectively asking you to do the impossible and also do it free of charge and then have your analysis then lifted by some TV executive who will then profit from it so it's not really a fair position I'm putting you in here but what the hell Given that we've talked about just now Conan being shunted back into the schedule in the early hours, and this has happened many a time before, is there a market for such a TV channel? Now, I'm thinking about the UK, first of all. Is there a market for a TV channel that was just talk shows?
0: I think in this day and age where you can have a game show channel or a pub channel or Babe Station. <laughs> There really is no excuse not to have the talk show channel. Now, what would be the appeal? What would be the interest? Well, aside from the fact that you could combine new ongoing shows with vintage shows, you could also cross-section that with UK talk shows, US talk shows, and beyond Australian talk shows. You could make use of comedy talk shows such as Colbert Report and Firmwood Tonight. In terms of the concept of a talk show, There's a lot of room to play around and who's to say that obviously you could have a few daytime shows if need be Ellen and Oprah and other people and yeah I mean if you wanted me to put a schedule together I could quite happily say that from 7 till 11 or 7 till 12 you've got the new shows the brand new talk shows maybe even featuring one original talk show in the midst of all that or a couple that are being produced solely for the show, which is kind of where they get their money back, perhaps. I don't know. Then, in the wee small hours, you could have the slightly longer solo interviews, the Dick Cavett-style interviews, for example. Um, You could have a Merv Griffin in there. You could have a couple of early Tonight shows in the morning or in the afternoon. You You could have Wogan. You could have Parkinson. You could have... And Seth Meyers, who I need to investigate further because he appears to be building up a cult following very much in the same way that Conan did in the 90s, in the same slot. Well, the thing
1: is, is this going to be best served by a linear channel? I mean, just in the last day or so, we've had the launch of a channel called Spike TV in the UK, which is based on American Network of the same name. And it basically looks like a lot of piss from Channel 5 with the addition of Breaking Bad repeats. Now, that format almost looks sort of dated now, and I wonder if Liberating the talk show archives, I wonder if that would be better served from a video on demand service.
0: Certainly. I mean, in terms of just having access to it somewhere, yeah, I mean, that would be great. But I think the appeal would be that it would certainly be a nostalgia trip. That's what a lot of those channels are for in terms of their appeal. I mean, the game show one, I don't think many people are necessarily sitting there trying to answer all the questions, they're getting soaked up in the nostalgia of the show i mean watching for example the game show associated with darts bullseye with jim Bowen. and i mean it's not necessarily a informative show people watch it because the prizes are strangely nostalgic and, and cheap and tatty and the and the jokes are old school and light-hearted and entertaining but it's nostalgic and it's and it's fun and i think that's where having a talk show channel will benefit because although granted predominantly American talk shows may dominate this potential talk show channel. I think it would be a very interesting slice of Americana nostalgia and historically speaking, as well, in regards to what was happening at that time and that place. And as you say, I mean, it, it could be very interesting to do it in such a way that you maybe show certain talk shows that, I don't know, do you remember that music video series which had little bits of information pop up? About the music video. Oh, pop-up videos on VH1. Yeah. Imagine that, perhaps not overly excessive to the point where it's destroying the show, but just a little, but maybe a red button option where you can have kind of, yeah, like a little...
1: Well, you sort of have that nowadays, don't you? Because you've got bits and pieces like, say, a some Song Contest. There'll be a red button option on there where you can sing along the words, for example. Or, or turn over. Well, there's, there's, it's not a red button option for that. It's just lots of other channels for that. That's true.
0: Well, there's one show that I would definitely have on this fantasy talk show channel. Probably in the wee small hours, it would be the Chevy Chase show. Now, I know we've spoken about this almost on every episode, but listeners, I promise you this much. The next episode, Gary and I are going over the top and investigating the very first episode of the much maligned Chevy Chase show from 1993,
1: and... I don't remember agreeing to this.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's, it's happening. You speak for yourself. I ain't watching that shit. I'm, I'm, I've edited you in. I'm going to edit your voice in from other episodes.
1: <laughs> well, saying what a top show it was and how it's right up my street and I wish they'd bring it back.
0: I'm going to take clips from the sitcom club and, and sort of, it's just going to be you praising it and that's it.
1: So you're basically going to do, you're going to do an Isaac Hayes on South Park on me, aren't you?
0: become a scientologist no um (laughs) the thing is is that there's there's a lot going on and just to kind of give the listeners a little bit of a precursor to it i suppose i've watched the first couple of episodes i have a i have access gary and i have access to a, a fair few of them almost all of them but it's not as bad as it's been made out to be over the over the last well 20 years or so it's certainly misunderstood, and I, I, think, I think the main issue is that it's the wrong format for the wrong person. Put Chevy Chase in the right context, he, he'll thrive. Early Saturday Night Lives, despite all the issues that were going on behind the scenes and general stories that have dominated various internet articles, as I've been typing in Chevy Chase on, on Google, that he was a great performer but yeah it needs to be in the right context and this talk show that was in a theater not even in a not even on a sound stage in a theater it's flawed from the get go so yeah i don't think the blame is all on him specifically there's a lot of issues before you even consider chevy chase as the host i'm genuinely excited about looking at this because i've i've been mildly obsessed with it i have now a chevy chase show cap an original i should point out i haven't gone i haven't I got obsessed to the point where i'm getting it specially made
1: it's not that bad
0: i've got a apparently a screen used illustration you know with the, the chevy chase show and an illustration of chevy chase sort of being pecked at by a bird and it says well yeah so i don't know if that i don't know when that was used but i hope i hope i spot it on screen somewhere and i have a chevy chase show clock so oh yeah also a chevy chase show helmet as well i don't know what The connotations are there. I don't know why that was a promotional thing. It's a yellow construction person's helmet. I'm very intrigued to see all of
1: these, as are you, I believe. Well, despite my jocularness, oddness mere moments ago, yes, I am. I am looking forward to seeing it. It's always interesting to see something with the benefit of hindsight. So it could be, for example, that the James Corden experience is about to hit the fan, so to speak. But we don't know that yet. Whereas at least we've got the benefit here of being able to look at the overall package of shows and see what little bits they tinkered with to try and get it to work and how does Chevy Chase maintain his energy and interest when he already knows that the show has been cancelled, for example, late on. And yeah, it's going to be quite something. I mean, what puzzles me about it, and we're not necessarily going to find this out from watching the episodes themselves, so we need to do some additional research for this but I'd always heard tales about how Chevy Chase was not somebody who was comfortable with ad-libbing, and therefore, he seems a strange choice to host a talk show, of all things.
0: Well, I mean, that's the thing. I think, from what I've gathered from the get-go, is that the, the parts of the show that work, in some shape or form, are bits that have been rehearsed.
1: Yeah, I mean, as far as the sketches are concerned, they're sort of like, harking back to Saturday Night Live and things like that. That's fine, but The bulk of the show itself, being a talk show, it's going to be a problem if he is not in a position to do the sort of back and forth in the same way somebody like Johnny Carson would do. And maybe that sort of just underlines the fact that he shouldn't really been doing a talk show at all. Maybe he should have been doing the Chevy Chase sketch show.
0: Well, there are certain aspects that you'll notice within, I'd say, three minutes of the first show (laughs) that don't belong on a talk show. And it does make you wonder if these were choices made by Chevy Chase, or if these were choices made by Fox, or what the deal was. Because there are just some things on it that just don't work, that just aren't needed. And I'm not going to say what. You'll pick up on one, and it's sports-related, I'll say that much. You'll pick up on the sports-related thing that does not need to be in (laughs) there at all. There's no reason behind it. It, It's very strange.
1: Right, okay, I'm going to hit you with something right now. So, brace yourself. You just said there about how the bits that work best on those shows are the pre-prepared sketches and so on. Do you think that Chevy Chase would have been more comfortable with a show along the lines of Fernwood tonight? Should that have been the Chevy Chase show? Should the whole thing have been a work, effectively? Should it all have been scripted and tightly controlled in that manner? Would that have worked?
0: That's an interesting consideration because... When I've seen Chevy Chase in films acting and in community, he's a great performer. He's he's great. You know, and it's, as you say, scripted. So basically with him starring in kind of his version of what, I suppose, the Larry Sanders show.
1: Not so much in terms of the backstage bits and pieces, but do it as a talk show, but it's a scripted show. So there's no ad-libbing involved at all.
0: Well, I'd, I'd say there was definitely ad-libbing in Firmwood tonight, certainly with
1: Fred Willard. Oh, sure. Yes, no, I agree with you. I mean, what what I mean is, okay, so do it as, say, a half an hour show, first of all, and have the whole thing scripted, or at least have very, very strict sort of bullet points to work within. And tape these things well in advance, so you've got plenty of time for editing as well. Would that have worked? Or am I making too many concessions? Am I basically just trying to fit Chevy Chase into a talk show shaped hole that he just isn't gonna fit into and maybe after you keep on tinkering with it and tinkering with it maybe you just sort of think maybe we should just get somebody else.
0: I must admit the first thing that came to mind when you said sort of the idea of Chevy Chase in a firmwood two night star was Bob Martin. For the benefit of the listeners, Bob Martin was a short lived comedy drama series that drew directly from the Larry Sanders show. And Bob Martin was a character, the host, played by a British entertainer, Michael Barrymore, who, funnily enough, uh, we talk about game shows, was so very much well known in the game show world and, and did actually have his own talk show that I suppose we should have a look at at some point. But for some reason, that, I tell you why that reminded me, it was just that sense of giving someone a format that they could potentially play themselves up in, in a kind of a slightly dark way. And for some reason, I could see Chevy Chase benefiting from something like that. Perhaps not now, but certainly in that 90s period. But I think it, of course, it all came down further down the line to that roast that happened later on. <laughs> the incident. Well, I mean, in a way, the the Chevy Chase show from 1993 turned out retrospectively to be a lot of fuel for the fire. But we will elaborate on all of this in the forthcoming episode, or indeed episodes, because, yes, I'm pretty sure we'll be looking at this <laughs> from many angles, uh, many episodes I assume.
1: When you say from many angles, do you have one of those special DVDs where you can choose what position you want to see the show from?
0: No, I was saying, thinking more like with my, my head turned slightly away, as if I, I can't watch but I can watch. So yes, we will be looking further into this next time, here on the Talk Show Talk Show, and we may even record, I'm trying to convince you to allow us to record our live reactions in sync to the episode which may or may not be then released as a part of the next talk show talk show episode or or its own sort of little mini episode i don't know but we will we will see but in the meantime gary thank you for joining me on the return of the talk show talk show
1: thank you very much indeed for asking me it's been a pleasure
0: and of course you can check out the sitcom club podcast also a part of the Podnos network Anytime you like, really, because there's a lot of it to check out. And uh,
1: There are a lot of episodes. There are 70 episodes in the archive now, and they're all available at sitcomclub.com and on iTunes.
0: And before we go, I'm just going to put you on the spot. Are there any more interviews in the pipeline?
1: There are no more interviews in the pipeline as we speak. However, that pipeline is always open. <laughs> so, open pipes. To be so filthy.
0: And on that bombshell, over to you, George. Yes, indeed. And once again, thank you to Gary Roger for joining us in this and the next few episodes of the Talk Show Talk Show podcast. Follow the Sitcom Club on Twitter at The Sitcom Club. And of course, follow the Talk Show Talk Show podcast on Twitter at Talk Show Podcast. Both shows are part of the Podnose Podcasting Network. And if you would like to get involved with us in any capacity, either as a guest or be a host of your own show, or if you have any general questions or would like to work behind the scenes, get in touch via admin at podnose.com. And finally, a huge thank you for being very patient with us as we have returned for a new season of the Talk Show Talk Show podcast. We'll be bringing you new episodes fortnightly from here on in. And in that respect, we hope to see you again in two weeks time. Bye for now. Talk Show Talk Show podcast is part of the Podnose Network. Music was by Ian Cummins and produced, engineered, and edited by George Grimwood.